As I mentioned in our opening, we are in a series presently that has us preparing for Easter. If I had to put it in a word, we're talking about how to host guests well. How to make sure that our visitors and guests feel like they are the most important part of the morning in every way. How do we let guests and visitors on Easter know that we're so glad that they came and that they're here? You know, that's really an art. It, it, it's really talk, what we're, what we're really talking about is everybody in our church being a host and a greeter, not just those who stand up front and have that official capacity. Um, before I dive into all of that and a little bit of video here, um, some training, I, I'd like to show you a picture here. Uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, are any of you familiar with that particular primate? That's a monkey. Now, that's a particular kind of monkey, though. This is a monkey who has a very interesting mating ritual of throwing rocks at its potential lover. I'd like you to watch that in action here. So if we could, again, our lights are going to go down a little bit lower, and we're going to share some video with you here. Ela pegou a pedra. Ela vai a quarta. Essa é minha. Ela jogou mais uma, uma pedra. Ela jogou outra pedra. E foi mesmo. <risos> Aí jogou mais uma lá de novo, pegou a pedra. I'm, I'm wondering if you saw how that the 
monkey throwing the rock, actually when the one that he's trying to get their attention or is about to throw the rock at looks his way, she turns away <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, they're so intelligent. And then she'll hurl the rock and, and run. It is the female that primarily does this, by the way. <laughs> what an interesting way of attracting somebody. <laughs> I, 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 I found that very fascinating that uh, we, have a, we have a monkey culture that's into that. You say, what in the world does this have to do... <laughs> with your message this morning. Well, I, ha I have another very interesting item from nature. Did you know that it is the temperature of the sand where sea turtles lay their eggs that, that determine the gender of the seedling turtle that will be hatched? When the sand is warmer, Females will be hatched. When the sand is cooler, males will be hatched. I don't know. I just found that all very interesting as I was watching a discovery-type channel. And you're still wondering what I'm going to do with that. We are breaking into our series on foundations as we prepare for Easter. And we're going to take this next three weeks, it's been four, to equip and renew ourselves in the Word of God as we prepare for Easter. Then we'll celebrate Easter, and that kicks off a brand new three-week series leading into Mother's Day just about and for Easter. The pastoral staff has carefully selected some video clips from Specialized Training designed to equip our congregation in hospitality and in loving people. We'll begin each of our messages in this series with a little bit of video training for that purpose. Keep in mind, our goal here is to equip all of us, all of us, in hospitality and loving people well. So with that, let's have our video here for this morning. Okay, so I think that's really cool, just a church getting the details right. So now you got the volunteers, you got the details. Talk to me a little bit positionally. What, how do you arrange your volunteers, or, or what's the plan now implementing with those volunteers? You know, the very first uh, place, you know, they've done, the, the guest has done everything online, they've thought about it, they've, and now they're coming to your property. Mm. The very first place, you want to welcome them at the entrance to the church, the entrance to the parking lot. Okay. And, and, and almost no churches do this. So I say, do it. Stand out there. Now, these people are not out there to chit-chat with people. They're there to wave and smile. Okay. And, and then people come on the lot. The next person you need to have on the lot are the car parkers. Okay. And let me tell you what the car parkers do not do. <laughs> They don't park cars. So you don't need Bubba out there saying park in that spot. You, you want people out there that are welcoming people, mm. smiling, being of assistance. Uh, if you've got some elderly people, they're helping them. If you've got moms with kids, they're helping them to whatever extent they want that. And just being a, a, a smiling face for them. 
Then as the guests move on up to the, to the building, you want people on the sidewalk. So they've left the parking lot, now they're on the sidewalk. Okay. And again, they're, they're just there to be helpful. Um, some churches I've seen have people on the sidewalks near their guest parking. Mm. So good. people put them in guest parking, those people on the sidewalk know, oh, hey, here's a guest. And uh, you know, if you have things to give guests, sometimes they give it to them right there. Uh, then you have what we all traditionally call the greeters, the door hosts. And in a lot of churches, they're passing out bulletins, doing that kind of thing. Uh, those people have to be on their game, smiling, welcoming people, engaging. By the way, when little kids are walking through, kneel down and greet mm. the little kid. That means a bunch to the parents. Then you, you move on through and you begin to think of, uh, I encourage people at the auditorium or your sanctuary to have people there. So you've got them at the outside doors, then at the doors to the sanctuary or, or auditorium. Then on the inside, you've got what we typically call ushers. You know, I encourage folks to think in terms of auditorium hosts, sanctuary hosts. And their job is not to pass out or collect the offering. Uh, just by the way, the greeter's job is not to pass out bulletins. Mm. It's to smile, it's to engage. While they may do that, but same thing in the, in the auditorium. They're to, they're to help the guest feel like this is gonna be a great experience, a great day for them. Yeah, I love what you're saying, but for a pastor, they may be thinking, man, that's a lot of people, which we've already talked about. Exactly. We've already said that this is volunteer intense. But what do you think that communicates to the guest when they pull on the property there's somebody waving when they park, there's somebody greeting when they're walking in, there's somebody greeting. Obviously, functionally, if at any point they have any questions, they see people along the way they, that they are marked, right. you know, have, maybe have lanyards or shirts on. But, I mean, what is that really practically saying to the visitors of the church? Again, to me, it says, these people have thought this thing through. Yeah. That's one major thing. The second people in this church has a bunch of people who are pretty excited about this place yeah. because they're everywhere. Uh, those are major pieces, I think, that, that communicate to the guests. You know, I want to throw by you, too, uh, a couple of overarching principles for these roles. Mm. Um, one is, um, it's one thing to do the mechanics, to do what you do in the park a lot, do what you do on the side, do what you do at the door and the ushers and so on. But it's another thing to have the handoff happen right. The handoff is absolutely critical. Yep. Lots of churches do the mechanics, but the churches that will really go over the top hospitality have unbelievable handoffs. When a guest comes in, for example, with children, you're not just pointing them to the kids' area. You're taking them to the kids' area, and then you're handing them off. You know, the example I use is the, uh, the Olympics, hmm. and uh, a lot of folks, uh, for those of you who are into the Olympics, you know what the four by 100 is. And for those of you who aren't, the four by 100 is four runners hmm. run 100 meters each. And so I'm just gonna ask you, Ryan, see if you get see if you got the right answer. How many teams at the Olympics in the four by 100 are gonna be fast? Uh, I'd say all of them. All of them. How many are gonna be slow? None, None of them. How many will win the gold medal? One. One. Yep. Why? They're all fast. Let me tell you why. They win the gold because of the efficiency of their handoff. Hmm. And I'm telling you, the church world, again, I come down to our mission. What are we about? I, I think our mission is so valuable that the handoffs from one position of hospitality, making the guest experience an over-the-top experience is so valuable 
that our handoffs need to be absolutely crisp so yeah. the guest feels, wow, this was nice. Yeah, yeah, they just didn't get dropped along the way. I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking what, one of the things that we do here uh, intentionally is we will minimize the handoffs. Yeah. So sometimes we'll have a, a guest experience person that is specifically trained. We almost call them like our Navy SEAL yeah. in this process. They're trained to be our front face of this hospitality and to go with the family almost all the, the way entire through. way all through. All the way through. So if they've got kids from the moment that they're pulling in the parking lot, if the, those people can connect them with this team, and then that person is basically their tour guide. So they never feel like, man, it, I was dropped. Now, obviously, sometimes handoffs happen. They have right. to happen, and that's huge. But sometimes even minimizing those handoffs and being intentional about having one person stay with them could be absolutely huge. Which absolutely reinforces the the volume of people you have to have yep. in, your, in your guest experience, in your hospitality area. You know, the other piece of that too, uh, Ryan, is uh, language. Mm. Uh, the, everyone from the entrance to the parking lot all the way into the auditorium have to be saying the same thing, have to use the same kind of language, which, which I would argue goes all the way back to the website. You know, yep. the, the way you reference things Good. on the website, when they get to the property, get to the building, it has to match up and the language is consistent. So, so you want someone sitting here in the auditorium for their first time saying, um, saying to, you know, husband and wife saying to each other, boy, these guys are on message. Yeah. They are all saying the very same thing. Yeah. And I think we've all been to maybe a, a organization, service organization where all the staff are just attentive. They're on it. They're all communicating the same thing. They're all showing the same level of thoughtfulness. Yep. And that does, I mean, that is huge in creating that wow. Again, regardless of your limitations, regardless of you know, what your budget is, that staff can be a huge deal. I wonder if there's any organizations that come to your mind as you think about that last comment. Be sure to turn off the lights on the uh, the cannon uh, cannon lights on the uh, stage. Thank you, boy. We we want some Navy Seals. No, that turned off all of the digitals. Please leave all the digitals on. Thank you. Um, we need some Navy Seals for Easter. We need some. Take them down the hallway. Get them to the nursery. Seals for Easter. And everybody in our church needs to be equipped and thinking about, thoughtful of, wow, somebody's just come in the door that I've not seen before, and I want to make this the greatest experience that they've ever had. I think Patrick will give you permission to practice on his family this morning. Last week, <clears throat> we used an acronym for our series title, Sent, See Every Need Transformed. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, there's an app for that? <laughs> right? I say to you, there's a miracle for that need. There's a hug for that need. There's a smile for that need. Whoever has a need, there's a smile, a hug, a a miracle. There's a person for that need. And guess what? You're that person. Don't look at somebody else and say, well, that's their job. 
Every guest that's here this morning, every new face that you don't recognize should get a smile, a handshake, a hug, and a welcome, not only to today, but to next week, so that they're sure they're welcome back. Here's what Paul wrote. Each of you should be concerned, not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others as well. Philip's translation of that says, none of you should think only of his own affairs. Isn't it easy when you go to church to just be thinking about yourself? I know that sometimes we're doing good to have gotten here, right? <laughs> just to have made it through our week and made it through getting out of bed on Sunday morning when we're so tired we really would have rather stayed in bed. But we got to church and now we're thinking about lunch and we're thinking about all the things that we need to accomplish on Sunday or maybe we're thinking about that sporting event we're going to go to, whatever. And Paul said, we should not be thinking about our own affairs, but we should learn to see things from other people point of view. Boy, do we have an opportunity this morning to be seeing things from some other people's point of view. You know, the context of the gospel is not moral behavior or holiness. It's love and service. Christians are famous for throwing around the term gospel or good news. But that needs context because it's not relevant in our society. But I'll tell you something that is. Loving people, serving people well, is always relevant. And that's the context of the good news. If we as the church don't move from a preoccupation with people complying with a book that they do not read, the power to transform lives through a loving witness is going to be lost. And this has a great deal to do with today why the church, especially here in America, has become so irrelevant to our generation. It isn't the text of Scripture that transforms the human heart. Rather, it's the revelation of Jesus. He is the Word, lived and demonstrated through loving servants of a humble heart. That's you. That's me. I'd like to talk for just a few minutes about this right here. Passion led us here. Passion led us here. Our text is taken from the book of John, and it's found in John's Gospel, chapter 1, and I'm going to skip around just a little bit, but read verses 29, 35 through 37, and 40 through 46. Let's look together. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. 
The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one that Moses talked about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. And Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, Philip replied. These men were so moved by what they saw and by the presence of this man called Jesus that they dropped everything and they started following Jesus. Passion led them to that place. If I might, Patrick, pick on you, I seem to be fond of doing that in various services. I'll pick somebody out and do that. We used another guest a week ago. Patrick makes me think about the kind of fisherman that Jesus must have been running into here when he was inviting these men to follow him. A man's man. Burly, big. You wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley, right? You wouldn't want to cross him. You wouldn't want to get in a fight with him because you'd surely lose. A man's man. Think of that. A man's man. Something like you, Patrick. So impassioned, so motivated, so taken with this other man called Jesus that he drops everything, leaves his career as a fisherman and starts following Jesus around the countryside. What does that? What about Jesus can actually so impact the human heart that you would passionately drop everything and begin to follow. Passion will motivate you to introduce people to Jesus. Did you notice that? After these burly, big fishermen, strong, gangly, I'm sure some of them were handsome, I'm sure some of them weren't. But it's interesting how every one of them who began following Jesus went and found somebody else, a family member, a neighbor, a friend, and said, hey, you've got to come experience this. You've got to come see this guy. See, passion will motivate you to introduce people to Jesus. Passion will cause you to be invitational. Now, every one of you this morning found something on your seat when you sat down. We're going to use this for Easter service, and we need you to get that out. See, I'm not good at inviting people. 
especially to church. People don't like to go to church. I don't like to talk to people about church. It's embarrassing to invite people to church. That's why we made this for you. See, you really don't have to engage them very far. Just hand this to them and say, hey, man, I'd love to invite you to the Easter service that I'm going to be going to. Passion will lead you to get involved in other people's lives and be invitational. Let me give you seven other traits this morning of passion. Passion will cause you to think of others more than yourself. Paul wrote, Epaphras, another member of your church, he works hard for you even here, for he prays constantly and earnestly for you that you may become mature Christians and may fulfill God's will for you. From my own observation, I can tell you that he has a real passion for your welfare. Do you have a passion for other individuals outside of yourself for their welfare? Passion characterizes one's thirst for God. If you're dispassionate about God, if you're dispassionate about His presence, if you're dispassionate about tending to meeting with Him, talking to Him, check yourself this morning. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. By the way, you don't lay down your intelligence when you become a Christ follower. You get intelligent. <laughs> you become intelligent. And you become impassioned because Jesus, you'll find, is the greatest man's man that any man could ever follow. And he's the most wonderful father and savior and lover to male and female that anybody could know. In fact, he elevated women far beyond their status of that day and what they were allowed because he treated women as equal. The passionate are excited not about religion, but about a kingdom. From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of the heavens kingdom is bursting forth, and passionate people have taken hold of its power. You know, there's something about a Christ follower, something about a Christian who really knows Jesus. So I'm not talking about religion. We have a lot of religious people today, and they're not passionate about Jesus. They're not passionate about the kingdom of God. But Christ followers who have been transformed by God's love are passionate about God's kingdom. Jesus said they seize it. They take it. They go after it. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The passionate keep their passion on fire. I don't know, Jeff, you know, I became a Christian a lot of years ago and lately I just haven't been feeling it. Come on. 
lately I just, you know, I don't read my Bible, I don't pray, I don't, you know, and I just, church, it's just, it's inconvenient, takes a lot of time, I'm tired, I want to rest on Sunday. Now, wait a minute. I didn't say anything about reading your Bible, praying, singing in the choir, or going to church. Those are byproducts of a passionate heart that has met a living God. Jesus didn't call people to come read the Bible. Jesus didn't call people to sing in the choir. Jesus did not call people to join a new religion called Christianity, by the way. Jesus called men and women to follow him. Passionately. Transformationally. And when you do, there'll be something in the pit of your belly. There'll be something on you. We call it the spirit that's on fire. And passionate Christ followers keep it on fire. Paul wrote, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot, which tells me I have a decision in that process. Now, Bible reading may help that. Prayer can help that, but not if you're doing those things out of religious obligation. Nothing in my life, when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, should be done out of a sense of obligation, have to, I should have, oh my goodness, I didn't do enough of that today, zero. Everything I do, I do because I love him. Everything in my life that's passionate, that speaks of being an incarnational, invitational, motivational Christ follower is because I love him. His very presence, just his being, has transformed it. Do you have that kind of relationship with Jesus? Did you know you can? And I'll go so far as to say, anything outside of that kind of walk that we see here in these disciples' lives is religion. You don't need it. It will kill you. It will obligate you to death, to ritual, to laws, legalism and rules. I don't care what you brand it, Christianity or religion or higher power or... If it obligates you, if it binds you, if, you, if it's not life-giving, if you find no joy in doing it and being there and following, it's religion. Because following Christ is the most amazing, life-changing, joyous, joy-filled experience that a human being can have. It's so freeing. It's so incredible and awesome. The passionate are fueled by love. Pastor Jeff, why don't you talk more about sin here at your church? (laughs) 
Song leader said, please don't. (laughs) The Apostle Paul said that the strength of sin is the law. I have found that the more I focus on do not, touch not, taste not, handle not, you shouldn't, you can't, oh, God's going to get you for doing that one. The more I want to do the thing I shouldn't do. It strengthens the very desire that I'm trying to get rid of. That's why I don't preach on sin. Well, there is another reason. Jesus is called the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Paul said God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So if God isn't keeping track, why are you keeping track? I don't need to preach on sin. You know when you've blown it. You know when you're not pleasing. There's just something inside of it that says, oh. We experience this when we do something contrary to the love relationship we have with another human being. Especially for those of you that are married, you've experienced that, oh, I know they're not going to be happy with that. (laughs) Ding! Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, the first lie, Adam gives to, or Eve, who took and ate, gave to her husband, Adam, who the Bible says was standing right there with her listening to the conversation. I've heard people say, well, it was the woman who was deceived, and then she made her husband sin. Oh, get over yourself. That's not the context of that. You go back and read your Bible. The Bible says Adam was standing there with her when she took and ate. She turned around, offered it to him, and he said, well, yeah, it looks good. And he ate. (laughs) And, and then when God challenged them with the decisions they had made, here's what, here's what the man said. Get this now. You ready? Okay, all the guys. Patrick. Real man-eater here. The woman you gave me made me do it. No, see, the passionate are fueled by love, not obligation. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians, for it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that he has given us his life or that he gave his life for all of us. This means all died with him. Boy, we're, we're getting some terms here I want you to be aware of. I want you to pick up on because it, it, it helps us with this very next part before we close. Passion leads to devotion to others' needs. 
Paul writes again, encourage the believers to be passionately devoted to beautiful works of righteousness by meeting the urgent needs of others and not to be unfruitful. How many of you are devoted? Don't raise your hand. How many of you are devoted to the beautiful works of righteousness? How many of you are involved in your church? How many of you are involved in, in Easter coming? How many of you have volunteered? How many of you have gone to the back table and signed up and said, you bet, I'll be here on Easter and... I'm going to bring somebody, I'm going to invite people with the invite cards during the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to serve. I'm going to help. I can usher, I can greet, I can help with the nursery, urgent needs of others. And then God will implant passion in you. I love this. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. Could we just stop right now? Could we just pray? Would you follow me in, the, in this prayer? In fact, I, I wrote it down. Would you just, let's pray and ask for God's help with this. Everybody out loud together. Lord, bring to me and baptize my heart with the passion that Andrew, Nathaniel, Simon, Paul, and the New Testament believers experienced and embraced. Your pastor found himself on his knees at his bedside yesterday and last night praying that very thing. God, I need a fresh passion. I need a fresh baptism of your spirit and your love. Now, to invite people to be an invitational community like these men, these disciples were, we've got to clarify our message. Ushers, you have something to hand out, would you please? And in these last couple of minutes, we're going to take a look at something and just spend a moment getting on message. What I'm going to ask you to do is take what you're being handed, but don't get engrossed in reading it just yet. everybody has one I'm going to ask you to just turn it over set it aside whatever you need to do and look up here to invite you must have clarity in your message Jake Lures said and I quote it's too bad that the name quote Christian in quote 
has been tainted so much that the love of God isn't recognized in the name. Instead, people think Republican, homophobe, or bigot instead of servant, loving, and gracious. And Paul wrote that we're to be saying the same things, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Here it is from the English Standard Version. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. The word is homologeo. Here's from the New King James translation of that. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. How does a church come into agreement? How does a church have an Easter that's impactful and, and, and really is transformational in people's lives? We've got to get on the same page with our message. And how do we do that? We need to be speaking the same thing. So I've put something in your hand here that is simply a copy. I did not write this up. If you were to go out to our website and to a page called About Us, that would be the first page that you're seeing. What order are we in? Actually, if you went to the page up at the top, you go to, uh, I think, About Us, and then you go down to the tab that says Mission and Ethos. This is our mission and our ethos. Could we read our ethos? Belong, believe, and become. And so what we say to people is, come as you are. Experience God's love and power. We're a community of spirit-filled believers who are passionate about worship, growing in Christ, and reaching our community with the message of God's love and grace. Come and see. Come as you are. No strings attached. You won't be judged or smothered or coerced or intimidated. Instead, you'll find a group of people who are friendly and warm and balanced and real just like you. As our guest, you'll meet a lot of smiling faces and have some warm introductions. We really care about your family and we'll do our best to make sure that your experience at Genesis is a real encounter with God's presence. See, we so believe that in our ethos about belong, believe, become that we've put it up on our website for everybody to see. Now, look at this page here that says relevant, life-giving, and engaging. I want you to see some of the wording. And it's, again, up on the website for all to see. It's been there for years. And it's exactly what I'm talking about here this morning about being impassioned and being invitational. Let's read through a little bit of this. Welcome to Genesis Church, a place of new beginnings. Gatherings at Genesis are relaxed and friendly, contemporary in worship and informal in expression. These are words you need to use when you invite people. Our message is intellectually challenging as well as relevant to everyday circumstances. Use that language. In practice, we embrace the spirit-baptized life, loving without judgment, and the joy of sharing and demonstrating the good news. You understand what the good news is? Look up here real quick. This will be, I believe, my last slide. Jeff, put this up. The good news. Telling people that they are lost 
and convincing them that the majority of the things that they enjoy are wrong is indeed a difficult approach to introducing someone to Jesus. On the other hand, announcing to people that they have been reconciled to God, that he loves them unconditionally, and that he's already eliminated and forgiven their sins, crushing the source of evil, hate, and shame, seems to me to be the announcement of Jesus, the kingdom of God is within you. That's what we're announcing. That's what we're inviting people to come experience. Not a change of behavior, but a revelation of who they already are because of God's love and what he made them to be. Look at the second paragraph here at Genesis. We are given to leading people into a growing faith. That means we're not perfect. It's a journey. And to one that reveals each person as who God originally designed you to be. Because of the Christ life, it's one, because the Christ life is one of constant revelation. Marissa, you spoke of this this morning. You spoke of that surrender as being not a waving the, the white flag and giving up everything that you enjoy in life, but rather a yes to God, a yes to Christ that you will go with him on this journey of discovery. We focus on biblical principles that apply to everyday life. Through the good news, our message is about being reconciled to God. Individuals move then from shame, fear, and hopelessness to a life of hope, courage, and purpose. Next paragraph. Our focus is to reach to people who have questions about faith, about Jesus, and many of the prevalent religious teachings about God. Every day we share life with people who are just an invite away from a life-changing encounter with Jesus. So we make it a practice to invite our friends, our family, our neighbors, and our co-workers into the Christ life to come and see so that they can experience God's presence in love and in power. And I'm going to leave the rest of you, uh, rest of that with you if I could get you now to set it down as we close. We aren't cool. <laughs> I, 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 I might be amongst the least coolest. See, I think Patrick's cool. When I look at I think I've always thought you were cool. From the day I met you, I thought you were cool. And, and the great thing, you know, about Patrick, I bet the whole family is this way. There's a tenderness. There's a sweetness. There's something in just the tone of voice. So he looks like he could take your head off, you know? And I just love that. He's a big, burly truck driver, business guy. But he's gentle and he's soft helped him in loving my niece so well. So we're not cool and oftentimes we're not even relevant. But we can be attractive. What do I mean? People will be curious why you were kind to them when they may have been a jerk to you. That's attractive. People will wonder why you value the broken, the marginalized, and use your finances, your life, and your time to help them, even if they never change. Now, listen to me. Are you willing to make that kind of commitment as a Christ follower, that you will use your time, you will use your money, you, you will use your life 
to help the poor, the marginalized, even if they never change, to be like you think they should be. That's attractive. People will marvel that your friend group doesn't just consist of people of the same color, sexual orientation, or nationality as you. But it spans different beliefs and races and political views. They'll be shocked that you serve, you love, you laugh, you mourn with them. They'll be shocked. And so I want to leave you with a challenge this morning. Number one, I challenge you over the next three weeks before Easter to give out at least one of these each week, which is why we've set it on your chair. Secondly, I'm going to challenge, in fact, I have three things, I guess. I'm going to challenge you to read what I've handed to you, this little packet of information, several times over the next week. And then next week, I want to challenge you to reread it again several times. And I'm sure you probably don't want to carry this around, you know. And so all you need to do is go to the website because it's all there in these exact words. It's been there for years. But see, we don't know who we are sometimes. We don't know how to invite because we haven't been on the same page. We're not sure what we're inviting people to. I need you to know what this gathering called Genesis is all about. And it's there. So the third thing that I want to challenge you to do is to walk back to that table where a couple of ladies are sitting and sign up. Say sign up for what? They'll tell you. In fact, I bet if you give them a name and number and say, you know, I don't know where I want to help on Easter or how much help I can be, call me. They'll do it. We can just leave it at that. And if you're undecided or you need to talk to your spouse or your significant other or person you live with or whatever's going on, then I'm going to be emailing to all of you a link to the sign-up form that's back there. All very cool, electronic. You can just sign up and choose the areas that you'd like. I'll email that to all of you, okay, so that you can sign up electronically as well if you don't do it in the back. What have I forgotten, Barb? Nothing? Good. Let's stand.